Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. a Friday afternoon where you want to uh, think about a Red Bull or a cup of coffee because uh, this could be a late night if you're planning on consuming sports. There's a lot of stuff that is coming up between now and about midnight as uh, Ole Miss baseball has been pushed back to an 8.30 scheduled first pitch tonight for game one of its series against number one LSU. Mississippi State and Auburn going to get started at 6 o'clock tonight on the Plains. The, the stretch of the SEC baseball schedule today is from right now. Kentucky and Texas A&M are about to go first pitch at 4 o'clock Eastern. They may have already had first pitch. I guess that would have been like seven minutes ago. And then you've got another game that starts at 8.30 Central Time. So that is a long afternoon and evening of SEC baseball, if that is your yeah. thing. Southern Miss and Coastal Carolina are going to get started at 5 o'clock Central Time in Conway, South Carolina. That's a game that you can watch on ESPN+. Plus If you want to follow the Golden Eagles and the Chanticleers in a big Sunbelt Conference series. Another w- example. Luke mentioned it yesterday. The move to the Sun Belt has a lot of benefits. The football schedule is better and it's more regional. The baseball schedule is better and it's more regional. But you can watch them play. Yeah. You know where to go. It's a one-stop shop. Now, you got to pay for it, and that stinks, but it's not that much. And if you have kids... It's like six bucks a month or something. And if you have kids, loop it in with Disney+. Plus. They have a package for that. And you're all good. We get a message on the ceasefire text line that says no chance Ole Miss plays tonight. Um, well, I kind of think you're wrong, but whatever. I, you um, are certainly entitled to your opinion. Uh, the the people in and around these two programs absolutely believe that this game is going to get played tonight, and both teams really want to play it tonight, and they want to play it tonight because you don't want to do a doubleheader tomorrow. Because if you do a doubleheader tomorrow. It would be a doubleheader that starts at 11 a.m. And it just, you don't want to do that. I mean, nobody no, wants no, that. No, I mean, that's that's ball teams getting to the ballpark at 8, 8.30 in the morning. Crowd's not as good as what you would like to be. And honestly, Oxford has not gotten that much rain. Some, but not a ton. Uh, it, it The big front that was coming through this morning 
Uh, it was way more bark than it was bite, and there really wasn't even any thunder and lightning with it. It was one of those that looked bad as it was approaching, and then it just kind of sprinkled for most of the morning, and then it stopped raining altogether for a couple of hours. It rained pretty hard between about 145 and 230, and now it's just kind of on and off. I mean, there's a there's a light rain that's falling right now, but it looks like it's going to be out of here by 730 or 8 o'clock tonight. Field's in great condition. It's been tarped since last night. I think everybody is optimistic that the game is actually going to be played uh, just with a later start time than normal. And, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it ended up getting pushed back to, to 9 o'clock, like if they needed you know, an extra half an hour to get the field ready and get both teams loose and, and all that good stuff. But I think you're going to have baseball tonight in Oxford. Baseball after dark. Yeah, so it, it didn't rain much here either like it was supposed to. i got to mm-hmm. tell you the story, and I don't know when. we got a busy show. I don't know when else we're going to do it. We, we've got a college football story that we've got to talk about, at least I think we yeah. do. Um, no, we do. So I decided to cut the grass when I got home last night because weather was coming in. It had gotten too long. Finally had a couple of days of not wet weather, so it wasn't saturated anymore. And I ran out of gas uh, for my lawnmower. So I go to the gas station to get some gas. Mm-hmm. And I am bent over. I'm still in work clothes. I, I didn't. Ha- I hadn't started cutting the grass yet. Like, I, I'm still, like, wearing work clothes. And I'm like, hey, Dad, I, you know, I have to wear, like, collar shirts and jackets and, you know, nice pants and shoes and stuff. The, the bosses <laughs> prefer that. Um, but I, I'm filling up this little gas tank, this little two-gallon gas tank. And... Uh, Bent over, filling it up, and somebody yells, Is that Borky? And it startled me, and I I stood up and popped up and looked around. It was a listener of the show that I guess recognized me. Appreciate you listening. (sighs) Richard, when I pulled up to look to see who was yelling at me, I sprayed gasoline all over my ankles and my shoes. I I, I had pulled it out of the gas can and (laughs) soaked myself. And gasoline from, like, the upper ankle covered my shoes. My socks were wet. I I mean, I still smell gasoline on myself, but I sprayed it all over me. And the the guy that yelled at me didn't notice that I did that, so you're you're welcome. If you thought I was rude yesterday or, like, Try like avoiding conversation. There you go. That's Sorry why. About that. uh, so so my shoes and my pants and my socks are still sitting in my garage because Google says wait till the smell goes away before you wash them. Yeah. And so my garage smells like gasoline. Mm-hmm. I, I still smell like gasoline. I've ne- I don't think I've ever been more embarrassed in my life. I mean, I had the hose and just all over. And, my and you know, there there are a few smells that stick with you. And gasoline, diesel fuel, chlorine. Like if you ever pick up a chlorine tablet that goes in a pool and it gets yeah. on your hands, you smell chlorine for like a day. I mean, it's just hard to make it go away. But yeah, you're you're going to have that gasoline. That those shoes are going to continue to smell like gasoline. Well, luckily they're they're a pair of nice looking tennis shoes called Allbirds. They're good green, so yeah. so I can wash yeah. them in the washing machine. Yeah. Which will be nice, but yeah, Google's like, no, don't don't wash anything until the smell is gone. And buddy, it ain't gone, not gone yet. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Hey, Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You want to get in on some wagering action on college baseball? They have got all of it for you, and not just SEC. I mean, it's all over the country. You want to bet on? 
UT Martin against Southeast Missouri State, if those two teams happen to be playing against each other, probably going to find a line for that for college baseball. You can do it at the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. We'd love to hear with you, uh, hear from you. We'd love for you to be part of the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. I am at Swayze Field. Borky told me, he's like, I thought maybe with them pushing the start time back, you'd just uh, go ahead and go to the studio and what did I tell you? You like being I, at the ballpark. I love the ballpark. I don't mind an empty ballpark. I don't mind it raining. I don't mind the tarp being on the field. Just hanging out in the TV booth for the next three hours and then have a two-and-a-half-hour break and then hang out for another three hours or so tonight uh, as well. Mike in Oxford said, I, I see that Richard is keeping Ben McDonald's seat warm. Yeah. Um, got uh, TV broadcast tomorrow. Ben McDonald. And David DeLucci and uh, Mike Farron, I think, is doing the play-by-play for the uh, for the game. So, nice. I, uh, I just being completely candid, one, well, two things. One, I'm kind of happy that I'm not working because I'm going to get to see Obi play his last two lacrosse games of the regular season. I'll be yeah. in your fair city for a couple of hours, a few hours tomorrow. Yeah, yeah in uh, in Madison. Nice. And uh, then, but but the flip side of that is, I love those two guys. David DeLucci is a dear friend. Ben McDonald has become a friend. I think the world of him. I think he's as talented an analyst as we've got in college baseball. And I would love to be sitting between those two guys or beside those two guys in the booth doing an Ole Miss LSU game on ESPN2 tomorrow afternoon. But it didn't work out that way. I don't make the schedule other people do. And so, uh, yeah, they'll have a, a great broadcast, and that'll be a lot of fun. I actually called Ben a little while ago and didn't answer. Ben has been... Ben's fired up about Morgan Wallen tomorrow night. He's going, huh? He and his wife and his son. I don't know if his daughter's in town for it or not, but uh, he and I talked months ago, and he's like, hey, this Morgan Wallen concert, you know, Ole Miss LSU's that weekend. I'm hoping I'm going to be on that game. We're going to come up there and do a family thing. And so, so, so Morgan Wallen was in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Yum Center last night, packed house there. They have, at last I heard... The expectation was that there was going to be in the neighborhood of 45,000 in the stadium for the Saturday night concert. And Borky, I think a like for the way they've got it configured, 48,000 is what would constitute a hard sellout. But 45,000 people on a Saturday night when you got one of the end zones completely open because the stage is on the field. And then another forty to forty two thousand is what's expected for Sunday night. You're talking about between eighty and ninety thousand people in Vault Hemingway Stadium over the course of two nights for country music. It'd be more than has ever been in there in one weekend ever. Uh, Actually inside yeah. the stadium. Yeah. I mean now, it's not fair because yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> kind of apples and oranges, but a little bit. I hear you. I uh, good I hear for you. the so, town. Who, brother. I um I, I wondered what yesterday was going to be like. It started to kind of pick up a little bit. Like you know, you could just kind of tell there was a little bit. Man, there there has been a buzz in Oxford uh, 
today. And there are people everywhere and squares crowded and restaurants are crowded and bars are crowded and clothing stores are crowded and it's uh, it's good all the way around. Hotels are full. There's uh, a lot of good stuff. And it's the first of consecutive weekends that are going to be like that with, uh, with Double Decker coming up next weekend as well. Cole Kubelik will join us next. We'll talk some college football with him on the Farm Bureau guest line. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. bit of an audible. Cole Kubelik uh, going to be a little bit later in the uh, show today. He had uh, something going on for a few minutes, so we will uh, hopefully talk with Cole coming up in just a little bit. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad off once again today. It just got really dark here. <laughs> Do you know? Can you tell that from the, uh, from yeah, the video stream? Yeah, it's a little, a little bit different. It was like a second ago, it was almost like the sun was peeking out. It got really light, and then it got really dark as some clouds rolled through, but... Uh, we're just going to keep on rolling. we got the lights in the booth. We are all set and glad to be with you this afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. Um, let's see. Let's do some uh, – you want to do baseball for a minute? Yeah, let's talk baseball because we did get uh, some significant news around here. Uh, people have been wondering and asking us for weeks, when is Hunter Elliott going to come back? And then also, what's it going to look like when he does? I was actually talking to uh, somebody uh, earlier this week and. We were wondering, you know, is he going to come out of the pen? Is he going to be an opener? Like, how are they going to use him? And we have the answer now. Hunter Elliott is going to start game two. So that is the Saturday afternoon game, assuming that tonight's game gets... Well, he's going to start game two of the series, whenever it's played. But as scheduled right now, that's 2 o'clock Central Time tomorrow. Um, You know, Mike Bianco, not this past Monday, but the Monday before... If you're paying attention and maybe reading between the lines just a little bit, you, you shouldn't be surprised that this is how they are using Hunter Elliott. He is going to be on a pretty strict pitch count. I don't know what that number is. I don't know if it's 40, 45, 50, 60. I, I don't know what that number is. But they have gone through a very regimented rehab process. So he started week one. And that's when they felt the tenderness. And then he didn't do anything for a few days. They went through the testing process. Uh, they went through the MRI process and the x-ray process and all the stuff that had to be done. And now it is really raining. Yeah, it is. Ooh. You know, I love that sound, though. Yeah, if you think we just got white noise in the background, that's not it. It's it's rain. It's, uh, it's falling. A little bit of wind that's mixed you in. You might lose some papers behind your right shoulder, by the way. I got them pinned down over okay. there. They were, they were flapping a little bit. I was wondering if they're going to... F- which would have been good online content, though. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so they went through the uh, the whole process, and then they started working him slowly back. And it was soft toss, and then kind of stretched it out a little bit to just regular throwing. And then it was long toss. And then it was pitching from a wind-up, but not from a mound. And then it was, um, you know, like a from the mound, but, you know, at 50% effort. And they ramped it up to 70. And then he went to a, a full 100% percent 
kind of prescription bullpen, you know, where he, he's throwing it at max effort, but a very limited number of pitches. And then they raise that number a little bit, and then they finally got to the point where he's thrown against live hitters. And so it's been a very detailed rehab process. And the reports that that we've gotten are that it's all been pain-free. Like there's no pain, there's no soreness, he has felt good. And so now you're going to see him, I'm guessing, over the next three weeks, do kind of what Cade Smith did at Mississippi State. Now, Cade Smith came out of the bullpen first with a clean inning, right? So they warmed him up in the bullpen, and then he came in and pitched in relief, but in a to start an inning. Hunter Elliott's always started games, and so Mike Pianco alluded to us almost two weeks ago that that probably would make the most sense, and so they're going to start him in game two. And, you know, he's probably in the neighborhood of 50 pitches, Mike says that he thinks 50 is the number. And so if he has a couple of quick innings, maybe that means he gives you four innings. If he throws 30 pitches in the first inning, maybe he gives you two innings. But you're not going to press it, right? You're going to get what you can out of him. You're going to continue to take care of his arm as he comes back from that. Forky, I think there are two questions. One, what does Hunter Elliott give you? Because he hasn't pitched in live action since week one. And this is now week six of conference play. So you've gone nine full weeks without him pitching. So what does he give you physically? I'm curious what it means emotionally for the ball club. It could be a lift, right? I mean, I think. And they need one in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and this weekend would go a long way because, as you've mentioned before, if they're going to get to the postseason – they technically don't have to win a series this weekend, but there's got to be a sweep or two down the road, and that's a tough ask. I mean, Georgia, When you a few weeks ago, you thought, ah, yeah, Georgia, that's a winnable series, but um, ask Arkansas if yeah. Georgia's somebody that's just going to lay down and let you take two from. Uh, but, yeah, the, more, uh, the morale certainly helps. And now, if it goes well, it should allow you to use Doherty in the role that he is supposed to be in, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they have TBA on Sunday, because if they if things go well, then you can bring Doherty out of the pen. Let's say Rivas just Rivas is good tonight, Ole Miss sneaks out a win. Then you can go Elliott Doherty tomorrow for a series. And that is far more comfortable than having to start Doherty. And it it just changes the dynamic of how they start games. And it it could be a difference maker. So it certainly helps. They do other things poorly that they've got to do better. But if Elliott can give them quality innings, it's a major help. Breaking more at 11. Hunter Elliott being back as a pitcher for Ole Miss helps a lot. Well, And my guess is that all options are on the table for Jack Doherty this weekend. But, I mean, this this coaching staff for Ole Miss knows how desperately they need wins. And so if they see an opportunity to win a game, then they're going to try to win a game. I mean, if Xavier uh, – let's just say that Skeens is good tonight because why wouldn't he be? And Rivas is good tonight. And you've got a 3-2 to two game. I don't care who the three is and who the two is. Ole Miss is up three to two. Ole Miss is down three to two, and you are you've gotten five and a third out of Xavier Rivas. You know, do you go to Jack Doherty right there? 
hand him the ball knowing that if you do that, you're probably better out of the pen tonight than LSU is in game one? Or do you say, well, we're going to, we really believe in Mitch Morrell and we're going to go Mitch Morrell here? You know, go he's kind of earned that spot, Morrell, hasn't he? Or, yeah. Uh, Morrell's earned that opportunity. He has. But I don't, I, I don't think it has anything to do with what anybody has earned or not earned. Oh, it's, yeah. You're trying to get a win, period. But I think uh, what I mean by that is uh, he has earned the trust. To, to get that done, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That that you should feel good. I, I mean, is he uh, the only, as of this moment, bullpen arm where when he's on the mound you think that he can keep zeros up on the scoreboard? Probably. As of this moment. He certainly is the guy that you trust the most, based yeah. on what he's done throughout the course of the season. He's got more appearances than anybody else this season, and he's been uh, he's been good. He hasn't been perfect, but he's been good. You had two games last night that happened in the SEC, and you might be surprised by the results of both of them, especially one. Ooh. I mean, Georgia. losing a one-run game—that's I mean, surprising. But Ooh. yeah, Georgia six, Arkansas five. Georgia scored five of their six runs in one inning. They let it 6-3, to three and they held on at the end. So the Georgia Bulldogs get game one in that three-game series in Athens. And then South Carolina-Florida was a really good game into the sixth inning. And then South Carolina exploded, and they 10-run ruled Florida. 13-3, to South Carolina takes game one of the three-game series in Columbia over the Florida Gators. Brandon Sproat was pretty good for most of the game. And then he got into trouble in the, uh, the, the what, the sixth inning, I guess it was. And then South Carolina just blew it open in the seventh. And they got the 10-run rule. And that sets us up for a full night of baseball in the SEC. In addition to those two series, Texas A&M at Kentucky, that one's underway. Vanderbilt at Tennessee. Mississippi State at Auburn. Alabama at Missouri. And here in Oxford, it is, uh, it's LSU and Ole Miss. Ceasefire text line, I'm not sure why you wouldn't start Hunter tonight and bring in Jack when he's done to keep business as usual. Also, TBA Sunday, Quinn has been great. Yeah, I think the TBA Sunday is just they're going to wait and see how the weekend plays out. And honestly, Paul Skeens is the best pitcher in America, and it's not close. If you can somehow stay in the game with him, with whoever you throw, now you got a chance to steal one. But the fact is, LSU with Paul Skeens on the mound is expected to win. And so maybe your best opportunity to get the most out of Hunter Elliott is when you're facing somebody that you think you can have a little more success offensively against than what teams have had against Paul Skeens throughout the course of the season so far. I don't know if that's the thinking or not. It would make sense to me, but I hear what you're saying. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio on this Friday afternoon. Now we will talk to Cole Kublik. That's coming up on the other side of this timeout on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the... Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
So let's talk some spring football. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Cole Kubelik joins us. College football analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network and noted Peloton sadist. You doing okay now? Are you going to make it, Cole? Yeah, I appreciate you giving me an extra few minutes. I was struggling there for for a little while. Mistimed my ride, so it's um, we're okay now. We can breathe. Twelve, a little over twelve miles in thirty minutes. That's um, that's not a, a leisurely bike ride. Uh, yeah, we I, we're more we go more for power really uh, mm. than, than distance. But yeah, we'll take it. It's it was a good ride. We were on a PR pace for about twenty minutes. And then I just kind of crashed, and it was just a kind of grind it out for the rest of the ride. But we'll take it. It's a, we got a good sweat in. That's all that matters. Let's kind of go. Let's kind of go rapid fire on some uh, some spring football because there's so much to get to, and and we always run out of time. Let's start in Starkville. I know you've gone back and you you've watched these games. This was Zach Arnett as Mississippi State's head coach. He said the offense is not going to be radically different, but I thought the offense looked kind of radically different. They ran the football a lot, <laughs> a lot in their spring game. What did you make of uh, of Mississippi State, the uh, maroon and white game last Saturday? It looked radically different to me. Um, you know, Maybe some of the passing concepts are going to be similar uh, once the ball is snapped, but the protections won't be the same, and the run game obviously is, is going to be radically different. They come out run stretch play on the first play of the game, and then you see the end around a play or two later which is the perfect way to take advantage of the stretch play if you've got it going. And, you know, I, I do think that technically and fundamentally there'll be a little bit of extra time that Will Rogers probably going to need to get super comfortable, as comfortable as he was in the air raid. And it was hard to tell defensively. I mean, I, I think Arnett even said, listen, we put in like this 2-4 defense because we didn't have enough defensive linemen to get through the spring game. Um, I appreciate him going out and actually having a spring game uh, instead of you know being kind of like Lincoln Riley and just canceling practice for a week or so because he had so many guys nicked up. Um, but either way, you know, I thought there were some individuals that stuck out. The, the main thing for me, outside of the offense looking as different as it did, the ball's just on the ground too much. Um, you had both running backs fumble. You had a couple of drops, some by key receivers. Like you saw a big drop by Justin Robinson. Now he also had a couple of nice catches. Uh, but he's a big physical target that I think they're going to need this year. And then a couple of receivers that were open and you know, inaccurate throws that, that put the ball on the ground again. So uh, a bad snap or two here and there. Too many, too many times that ball, that football is on the ground for the Mississippi State offense. Not going to really judge the defense. I did like what I saw from uh, John Lewis. I thought he was flying around. Yeah. JP Purvis off the edge. I thought was doing some nice things. Deshaun Page was just, he was he had a full speed motor going at linebacker. But I'm not going to try and really take much away from what that group looks like. I don't think it'll be any different. But it'd be hard for me to believe, Richard, that that, that offense is not going to be drastically different than it was a year ago. Grove Bowl last Saturday in Oxford. Um, say what you want to about Lane Kiffin, but he knows how to put on a fun spring game. Uh, 53-52 was the final I feel like this Ole Miss team has got a lot of storylines, especially on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, they got to get more people. And there were a couple of guys that, that popped, I thought, defensively. I, I guess let's start with the quarterbacks. What, what did you think of the three quarterbacks that you saw play in that game? I thought there were times that they, they all three looked good. And, yeah. and I thought there were different things you could point out as, as sort of strength of the three. 
it was pretty apparent to me that sort of the operation of it, uh, Jackson Dart had, had the best command. I just, you know, a lot of times I go back and I, I, in these spring games, I think you have to be specific with what you're looking for and, and probably have to be somewhat detail-oriented. But, the, you know, the way that he went out and, and managed and ran the offense, you know, his procedure with the offense I thought was, was strong. He looked poised, looked like he knew when to get the ball out. He looked accurate, didn't look like he was taking many chances, which towards the end of last year I thought he did a little bit more of. But then you see Sanders, when he's on the move, obviously he can be pretty dangerous. And not just running the football, but what he can do throwing the football outside of the pocket. I just don't know how important that would be in that offense. Um, tough to get it. Like Tennessee and Ole Miss will be the two toughest reads on the offensive line because you're going at a pace that oftentimes you know, dictates how things go up front. So it's difficult to take away. But I did think the right side of the offensive line looked really good. Uh, I saw consistent movement over there. I saw good physicality on that side of the football. That was at least one side that I came away from that game saying, you know what, I liked what I saw over there. I think that's going to be something that's solid for that team. We know what Judkins is. I mean, I, I think he's the best back returning in college football. And, sure. and you know, definitely in the SEC. So you're, you're going to be able to lean on him at different points in time. The other part that I really liked was just seeing Trigg back on the field at tight end because – I understand, and, and I've had conversations not only with Lane, with Charlie Weiss Jr., with Jeff Levy, and, and even going over to Knoxville and the last couple of years covering, covering that group, whether it's been Hypo or Golish, talking about what the tight end means to that offense. And that sounds weird. I know it because people don't think about the tight end being important. But when you insert the tight end into the run game and when you can put them in line or it's H or you can, you can, you can split them out, and you force that defense to not know how to identify that player, it gives you so many advantages from a matchup perspective, whether it's the number count in the box or out wide in coverage. And Trigg athletically gives them something that they hadn't had in quite some time. If he's healthy all year, I think he has a really nice year inside that offense. And, and Cole, what's really fascinating. And then also the big, the big kid for, uh, the big kid from NC State up front, zero. Uh, Harris. like I, Joshua Harris, you know, I said, when I went and studied his film. I think you and I talked about it when he first transferred. And I'm like, listen, the, Pete Golden got a legitimate SEC interior defensive lineman. The only problem I see is he's got the motor on about you know four, three or four out of every ten plays. If they can get that up to you know seven, eight out of ten plays, they're going to have a guy who can cause a problem. And he was in the backfield a bunch in that game, so he's somebody that I think that defense may be able to lean on. And then you throw you know Ivy Johnson, Pegues up there with him if he can just eat up some space and be problematic to where you have to pay more attention to the inside of that defense, that's going to let some other guys probably be able to have better years than we suspect. I was just going to mention a second ago, you were talking about Trigg and the tight end spot. That, to me, is what makes it so fascinating that they picked up Caden Priestcorn, the uh, the tight end transfer from Memphis in the offseason, because he's a bigger body and a guy that you can kind of put his hand on the ground, be an end-of-the-line guy, and do some different things. And then that may really open up what Ole Miss can do with Trigg if he's fully invested in, you know, kind of soaking up and being a part of the offense. Oh, and everybody wants to run 12 right now. That's, I mean, one back, two tight ends. Everybody. Um, you know, we've, we've come full circle to where multiple tight end sets are cool again in college football, really in, in all levels of football. You have to have different type tight ends, and I think obviously you have to have the depth to be able to do it. I can tell you this. Memphis did not want to lose Caden Priestcorn. No. Um, super reliable, super physical. You know, he'll bring a little bit different demeanor and attitude up front, but – 
you know, he's not a guy that, that can't get out in routes and catch the football. Now, athletically, is he going to wow you? No, it's not really who he is. But I think it's valuable to have two tight, two different type tight ends. You know, have have a guy who's a little bit more of a grinder, a little bit more of your hard hat guy, and then have somebody athletically who can be sort of your move tight end. Um, but don't get it twisted. I, I'm with you. I think pre-scoring is going to be a valuable piece of that offense. I just it's not going to be a lot of explosive plays, a lot of wow plays, but he'll do a lot of the dirty work up front and probably cause defenses to play them a certain way that will open things up for that offense consistently. I'm going to try to do 20 seconds on three different teams. Give me 20 seconds on the Florida Gators. It's not as bad as it looks. You know, I, I think um, I think Austin Armstrong got a little trigger happy and he brought blitzes from all over <laughs> yeah, the place. I mean, I think he ran seven corner cats. In, in that game, so Heat up. It, it wasn't a lot of guys getting beaten one on ones. It was guys just it, it was a lack of awareness. We can fix that. We we can't fix guys just getting smoked left and right. So I, I do think it's a little bit more repairable than people think. Twenty seconds on the Arkansas Razorbacks. I really like what this new offense could do for KJ Jefferson. The receivers passed the eye test. Rocket Sanders is elite. Um, you know, I think the offensive line's still going to take some time to come into form. Uh, the defensive line's got a chance to be pretty good. You've got new bodies in the secondary that was atrocious last year. But K.J. Jefferson under center, not as reliant on tempo, not as reliant on some of the quick throws, maybe some more RPO stuff, uh, I think could lead to him having a big year. 20 seconds on Tennessee. Really difficult to tell because you had all your receivers out, a couple offensive linemen out and went down during the game, a couple guys on the front seven out. I don't know what to expect from the defense. Um, you know, Peely, the linebacker coming over from BYU, should be a massive help. They're going to need it. That defense was not good last year. You lose your two best offensive linemen. I don't know what that's going to look like. But the word is that Dante Thornton, the Oregon transfer wide receiver, and I quote, runs similar to Jalen Hyatt. Ooh. If they get 70% of the production that Jalen Hyatt gave him from one of those guys that didn't play, then that offense could be just fine. True or false, LSU is the best team in the West. Maybe, could okay. be. Um, we'll we'll unpack that next them. time. It'd be hard not to pick them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Have a great weekend, Cole. Thanks, Richard. Cole Kublik on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir.
Kubelik spending a few minutes with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Later this afternoon, Brad Henderson will join us. That's about 45 minutes from right now. We'll talk Ole Miss baseball with him. David DeLucci as well. Who knows what we'll talk about with DeLucci? I mean, I think he was disappointed that when he rolled into Oxford this afternoon, the weather was bad, not because anything baseball-related. I think his hope was to get a little turkey hunting in this afternoon when he got to North Mississippi, and it's like, eh, kind of messed it up with the rain. So uh, we'll, we'll see where we go with David DeLucci. We're going to start the 4 o'clock hour off the college football fix. We'll move that up an hour today. we got a food Friday coming up for you. So a lot to get to in the next two hours. Alongside Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Interesting thoughts from Cole Kubelik. Sounded like uh, there were some guys on the defensive side for Mississippi State that really stood out to him. Gave you a couple of names there. And... Kind of sounded like he's thinking, you know, offense fine, but clean it up a little bit, which it's spread. Um, I don't remember a year where there were as many different storylines for a single side of the ball as what Ole Miss has got going into this year. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's, you got you got multiple quarterbacks that can go. You've got the best returning running back in the SEC. You've got good questions. You think at tight end. You've got questions. Period at receiver. It appears there's some depth on the offensive line, but will that play out? How's the transfer portal going to finish up in terms of guys guys leaving, but also in terms of guys coming in? There's a lot there to uh, yeah. to kind of get us through the off season with this Ole Miss team. Yeah, and and, and Cole talked about it. The same thing applies to Mississippi State as well. It's so hard to watch spring football and really truly like have a real grasp of of what a team has. I mean, it, we we can use how Lane Kiffin approached a spring game, as an example. The only thing he wanted to do, and I appreciate him for it, was to entertain. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, watching that and being the only thing that the overwhelming majority of people see and drawing conclusions from that is silly. For example, I've got a friend that's like, it was clear from the spring game, Dart's deep ball didn't improve at all. And I was like, because he missed one throw? Because all the word out of out of practice and, and stuff is that he absolutely has. Now, there's still room to grow, but that he's dramatically improved. But because he missed a throw in a spring game, everybody's like, oh, hadn't gotten any better at all. It's it, So uh, within the context of what people got to see, I understand where that's coming from. But some are putting too much emphasis, like the rankings that we talked about yesterday. What do you learn from watching a spring game? What do you really learn from watching a spring game? Not as much as you think you do. Ceasefire text line. Cole should not be able to say anything about Ole Miss. What a... I don't think I'm supposed to say that on the air. Probably not. Uh, okay, so fine. You didn't like the Arkansas broadcast. Fine. Yeah, you're, you're welcome to not like the, all, uh, the Arkansas broadcast. I, I tend to agree with you um, about that particular broadcast. I didn't like the way they did it. I thought that game was more important than to throw the announcers on the sideline because that was kind of a sideshow thing. But if you want to discount Cole Kubelik as an analyst or as somebody who doesn't do his homework, thank you, Glenn. 
Hey, Borky. Con Turtle Bar here, courtesy we'll of uh, of Glenn Waddle. Thank you very much. Maybe the only other person in the stadium right now. Nice to bring me a uh, little candy bar there. Uh, if, if you think Cole doesn't do his homework, if you think Cole Kublik hates Ole Miss, you, you're you're wrong, right? I mean, it's 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 just it's just not. You just want to have your feelings hurt because of something that you didn't like. So that's fine. I'm not discounting the job that Cole does. I think he works really, really hard. I think he works as as hard or harder in terms of preparation than any analyst in the SEC. And not that anybody cares about this, but it bothered Cole the way people kind of talked to him and treated him online after that game. And some of because it was Cole too has far. never gone into a game with an agenda of. I'm I'm going after a team or going after a coach. They didn't handle the thing that way. Tom didn't do Cole any favors in the way he kind of handed that situation off to him. And, and neither did, did Jordan either. And some of the online stuff went too far, but the criticism is valid, man. When, when you're calling a game and you're talking about how the quarterback on the field would fit at Auburn, people are rightfully mad. Yeah. And talking about what other transfers would Lane bring from that team to Auburn. I mean, that, that's a conversation they had during that game. Is what players on the field would he take with him to Auburn? So Ole Miss fans are rightfully furious about that because it was never presented as him. St- it was only exclusively what players would he bring with him. That's it. It was very odd. And I can't believe the conference's network allowed that to go on as long as it did. Yeah. I I don't think you will see a broadcast like that again on the SEC Network. But I will stand up for Cole. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. If you're on the road this afternoon, hope you're being careful. Hope you're wrapping up the work week and getting set for a, a great weekend. Alongside Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, ton of stuff going on. If you go to the events page on their website, pearlriverresort.com, you can uh, you can see what's coming to the Silver Star Convention Center. Acts like Jeff Foxworthy and Sawyer Brown and Fluffy a little bit uh, later into the summer. Be sure to get your tickets. You can buy those online at PearlRiverResort.com. Jeff Foxworthy and Sawyer Brown tickets are on sale right now. That is once again at PearlRiverResort.com. You can uh, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Cspire.com, that's where you go to find the best in wireless, the best in fiber to the home. That's for your home internet, that gigabit internet fiber going straight into your house like I've got, like Michael Borky's got, that's blazing fast and never messes up. Or I, I guess I should say almost never messes up, but I feel like it never messes up. It is spectacular. That's Seaspire Fiber to the Home. And, of course, business IT solutions for Seaspire as well. All of that available to you online at cspire.com. 
Let's push it up an hour. We will uh, give ourselves the flexibility to do that. And take a little look at the uh, college football fix. Whether it's an SUV or a truck that you're looking for, Ford has you covered. The college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. The SUVs, you know about them. The award-winning Explorer. They've been at it for a long time. It's still the best on the road, plus the Expedition. If you're looking for a larger size SUV crossover, you got the Edge. And then, of course, the best-selling trucks in America for 46 straight years. Get behind the wheel of an F-150 at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Well, does this mean college football games are going to get faster? The NCAA is expected to approve, I guess they have approved today, rules changes that were proposed earlier this year that will allow the clock to run after first downs are achieved in all divisions except Division Three. The clock will continue to stop after first downs during the final two minutes of both halves. So you get a first down in the last two minutes of the second quarter or the fourth quarter, the clock will stop while they move the chains. Otherwise... The clock will continue to run. This is designed to make the game a little bit faster. Division One, Division Two will adopt the rule. D three is pushed back, and uh, they're going to go with separate playing rules for that division. Um, Nineteen sixty-eight, Borky. That's when uh, we kind of went with the separate clock rules for college football versus the NFL. Allowing the clock to run is expected to reduce the number of plays by an average of seven per game. That is according to Steve Shaw, who is the secretary editor of the Rules Committee. I don't necessarily have a problem with running the clock after first downs. But I also don't know that that is the best way to speed the game up. That's where I fall on it. Uh, because the NFL, they don't stop the clock on first downs. And the number of plays run per game is pretty significantly lower than college. And as you know, the fewer plays, the safer the game is. Uh, and NFL games are notoriously shorter, and they fit very neatly in a tight window. The NFL's got the whole game thing down to a science. But the NFL also has a couple of other things. They have a shorter halftime by eight minutes. It's a long time. They have it's a twelve-minute half instead of a twenty-minute half. That's correct, and I think halftime in the NFL begins right away, and in college they wait until the teams get into the tunnels. So I think it's even longer than the clock allows it to be. Um, the officiating's more efficient. Reviews are more efficient, and you have to challenge a play instead of it just going to review. There's no targeting review. That that kind of stuff happens in the NFL. It moves along quicker, but. Reducing the number of plays in general is a safer thing, and it makes the games faster, and it makes possessions have a higher premium, which might make the games more interesting. Every time your team has the ball, that possession matters more because you have fewer of them. It it makes ever like a quarterback that's turnover prone not going to be as forgiving because if you throw an interception when you're down in in the red zone, you don't get as many chances to make up for that. So it it adds a little intrigue. But, I mean, seven plays a game, and that's one drive less per game. Yeah, that that matters. And so, but, but the thing is, this would be fine if it also meant that something like commercial inventory was reduced. But we all know that's not going to happen. 
So we're going to get less of the thing we actually want to see and not change the thing that we don't want to, to see. And, and that's bad. If you're trying to reduce the length of the game and you're not first addressing things like halftime length and officiating efficiency and length of commercial breaks, then you're doing it wrong, and this won't change anything. It's going to make the downtime feel even longer in college football games. Yeah, you may be onto something there. Because I, look, I mean, they're they're not going to reduce the number of commercials that are available because you get these big rights fees and they've got to pay for that. A big part of how they pay for that is through advertising. But I do feel like there are ways. I mean, golf has been creative with kind of like some, you know, during the round advertising. They 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 squeeze in some thirty minute, uh, thirty second or fifteen second commercials all the way. I think there are some ways that you can make up revenue. And then there's also an argument that volume isn't the only way. Right, Borky? So let's just say you've got, and I'm just, I'm making up numbers here. Let's say you've got 30 commercial spots in a college football game. And those commercial spots uh, cost, and and again, I'm I'm completely making up numbers. Let's say they cost $5,000 a piece. So you've got $150,000 in television commercial revenue from those 30 commercials. Well, what if you had 24 commercials? So it was a more exclusive thing. You had less random advertiser. You had fewer commercials, and because it was fewer, there was a higher premium. And instead of charging five thousand dollars a commercial spot in this example for thirty, you charged seven thousand dollars for for forty. I don't know if the math works. Seventy five hundred, whatever the number is. Your point is, you can uh, maybe there's another way to make up the revenue and back off a little bit in the amount of time that you're away from the game. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a little thing called supply and demand. If supply goes down, demand goes up, and so do prices. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they can make it work. They could do other things. Now, this isn't that bad, especially under two minutes. They're going to stop the clock, which I know people are saying, why do you change the rules based on, on time? Other sports do that as well. Uh, you, you've got reviews in basketball that only happen uh, under two minutes, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's not abnormal. Um, in professional basketball, if you call timeout, the ball advances up the floor. So you you sacrifice a timeout to to get a better position on the floor for like a last second shot. You got a timeout. Which I think, left. by the way, would be a great advancement for the college game, and it the would. the women's game allows for that. Mike DeCourcy at the Sporting News, he's like the noted antagonist for that, and he thinks it's the worst thing ever. Like that 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 would be the biggest step backwards for college basketball ever. I I don't understand really. It's like. It's a strategy piece. It's how you build your end-of-game situations, and it gives you the possibility to have more exciting ends to games. Yeah. So that's not abnormal uh, to do. Implementing that's fine. It, I, I just I feel like if their goal is to, to reduce game length, mm-hmm. then they're tackling the wrong thing. But if yeah. they did this in conjunction with the other stuff, it, it'd be great. I'd... I, there's so much changing in college football, and some of it I welcome. You know, there was uh, 
an article that came out that athletic departments are, are worried that NIL is taking away from their budget. And I referenced Clemson's putt-putt course. And I know that the majority of college football is not Clemson. Uh, but still, I, I welcome that change because I believe in free market and I believe in capitalism, and, and I do think that um, blocking players' ability to make money for the sake of everybody is un-American, uh, let alone they use that money to buy gaudy stuff that nobody needs. So I, I accept a lot of the changes in college football. But they're changing so much basically all at once, and now you're reducing the number of college football there is. The one thing that we like is the actual games at this point, and now you're taking some of that away as well. Just They, they need yeah. to be careful with the, the liberties that they're taking with their fans and expecting them to be there forever because there is a superior football product that is available. There is one. So be careful it, or you're going to lose the college people. It, it Well... I mean, it's superior if that's your thing. I mean, the quality is higher, the skill level is higher, but not a lot. Of, there are a lot of people that don't think that the NFL is superior to college. But I get what you're saying. We'll be back. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky with you on this Friday afternoon. It's raining in Oxford, but the skies have gotten much, much lighter. The rain is expected to be gone, uh, and we are looking at an 8.30 first pitch start tonight for Game 1 of the Ole Miss LSU Series at Swayze. I haven't checked the radar for Auburn. It looks like everything's kind of sliding to the to the northeast of there. And I think they're going to be good for uh, for a 6 o'clock first pitch tonight uh, in that game between Auburn and Mississippi State, game one of the series. So Texas A&M and Kentucky, which they had moved up to 4 o'clock Eastern, has now been postponed. I have not seen what the plan is. I guess they'll play a doubleheader tomorrow. Vanderbilt-Tennessee gets started at 5 o'clock Central time, so about 40 minutes from now, game one between the uh, Commodores and the Vols. Game two of the Arkansas-Georgia series gets started at 5 o'clock Central. 6 o'clock Central, Florida-South Carolina. That game's SEC Network. Plus Mississippi State-Auburn. That one's streaming tonight as well. 6 o'clock first pitch. 6 o'clock in Columbia, Missouri. And then uh, 8.30 tonight in Oxford for LSU and Ole Miss. I don't know this for a fact, Borky, but I would... Based on what they've done the last couple of weeks, I think there's a really good chance that the Ole Miss-LSU game finishes up tonight on the SEC Network. You'll you'll probably start out watching it SEC Network Plus. And I think there's a softball game at maybe 8 o'clock, like Alabama and Auburn on the network tonight. 
But they'll go to SEC now after that, and they may do some bonus coverage at the end. We'll see. Well, that didn't really, that didn't really change anything for the viewer, though. It just kind of sticks with it, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're streaming baseball, there's no difference, really. In I mean, no. you, the announcers are different. But in terms of like how you get there, there's really no change. Yeah. I mean, unless you just... You're like a regular TV person, and you don't necessarily stream, and you put it on the SEC network, and you're like, oh, I thought I was watching Dari and Todd yeah. Walker on SEC Now, and instead it's bonus coverage of you know the last three innings of Ole Miss LSU, so I don't know. Am I, am I a bad media person if I almost never watch SEC Now? No. I, like, I, that's, I, don't, I don't do it. I watch it all the time because it those... They actually show highlights. Yeah, imagine. Like, I mean, I actually get to concept. see highlights from the games, you know, all around the SEC. And, you know, during baseball season, I'm trying to keep up with every. I watch it a ton during football season. They, I don't know. I feel like they do a pretty good job with that shit. Now, I, I get weary of some of the, you know, rank the offensive line units, you know, during July or, or August, kind of leading up to the season. But once football season actually rolls around, and, and for the, um, the post game show on Saturday night? It that's the only thing I watch on Saturday night after games are over. Do you not you don't you don't watch the SEC now on Saturday night for like the college football f- Well here here's how my dumb they, brain works. It's like I watch all of the games and so what do I need them for? You know? You you, you work. So so you, you you can't watch all the games like I do. <laughs> that's fair. I am playing catch up on some of them. Yeah, that is so that is true. I, I'm sitting there watching them all day. It's like, do I, do I really need Dari to tell me what happened when I just saw what happened? Yeah. I was thinking about what Cole was talking about a little while ago, and I, I know some of you again don't like Cole. That's fine. Whatever. His when I asked him about Arkansas, it sounded like he was a little high on the Razorbacks. Obviously, there's a ton of experience at quarterback with KJ Jefferson. They it, it, just if you're using the way Cole described it, they got the second best returning running back in the SEC in Rocket Sanders behind Quinshawn Judkins. I'm sure there are people that would argue for for Sanders over Judkins, and you know, frankly, frankly, I would give you no pushback. He's really good. I would. I mean, you like one or you like the other, whatever. I, I don't care. They're both immensely talented running backs. Need to see some more from Arkansas's pass catchers. Need to see what that offensive line's going to be like. Need to see if they're going to be any better than they were. That was not a good team defensively a year ago. And... Yeah, and Dan Enos, I mean, that's interesting, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's not somebody that has exactly used quarterbacks in the running game and uh, over his career as an offensive coordinator. I feel like the bootleg has been the staple of Dan Enos's offense. Like, I mean, Arkansas would bootleg you to death with yeah. their quarterback, but it was to get outside to throw. I mean, it wasn't necessarily in terms of designing runs for a guy like KJ Jefferson. And you know, it's some some coaches are flexible, some are not. So if he's not, then Arkansas's got issues. But if he is, and he's taking things in and learn, I mean, you know, it, you can be adaptable. Uh, but is Barry Odom still at Arkansas, or did he leave? He's at uh, UNLV, I believe. That's right. He got the head coaching job. So, how about that? You remember part of the the reason that people were so high on Sam Pittman when he was hired was because of the staff that he put together, where he's got Barry Odom as his defensive coordinator. 
He's got Kendall Bryles as his offensive coordinator. You know, there was other you know veteran guys, experienced guys on that staff. He replaced Kendall Bryles, who is considered to be one of the young, hot, up-and-coming offensive coordinators in college football that comes from that Bryles, you know, run-based, air-raid offense. I don't even know exactly the veer and shoot. Isn't that the way somebody kind of described it? Not to, you know, however you want to describe it to Dan Enos. And he loses Barry Odom, who did a really good job with the defense, even though they were not great defensively a year ago. Who is their defensive coordinator now? His name is... Um, Travis Williams, he was at UCF. He was a co-DC at Auburn right. for T. the 2019-20 yeah, yeah. season. Mm-hmm. He's well thought of. Played at Auburn. Yeah. I mean, he is. he's a well thought of defensive coach, but... It's it's different in terms of experience and, and the way people look at them, for sure. That's why I'm so... Arkansas, to me, is... It, a and M, I, I think, is the most intriguing team in the SEC because the potential for it to go really poorly and things could get like weird while, and while ugly. being really talented, while while having a roster that only oil money can buy. Uh, but Arkansas is up there also, returning quarterback, returning running back, replacing both coordinators. You know, people think that they've got a ton of potential, but until they prove it, uh, we'll see. Uh, you know. Almost everybody in the SEC is interesting, but if you ask me who am I not among the teams that we cover, who am I looking at the most, I think it's those two. Yeah. I agree with that. But this is this is a year with great stories for the offseason in the all SEC. All over. Everywhere. Is LSU supplanting Alabama, perhaps, as the best team in the SEC West? People, people down there always think they're good. But the thought around that team is that, especially defensively, they have a chance to be really nasty. And they've got everybody back on the offensive side. Yeah. Almost. They lose a couple of receivers, but everybody else is back on that, that side of the ball, and Brian Kelly's a really good coach. Um, for the for the reasons that you just outlined, A&M, for Mississippi State, a first-year head coach, and a, a scheme change offensively. No more air raid. But really good pieces on the defensive side. All of the storylines that we've talked about as they relate to Ole Miss. I mean, there's just a lot. And that's just in the West. Yeah. That's just in the West. I think we got a really... we got the potential for a really fun college football season coming in 2023. A couple of messages on the C Eight seven nine four three nine five. Reckon a party might break out in Oxford this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. There are going to be plenty of people here for a uh, for a party if uh, if you're so inclined. Brandon, completely random. Richard is echoing bad. Borky is not. Maybe it's my phone. Just throwing that out there. I think that might be your issue, Brandon. I think. I don't think we've got any issue. Technically, here, do you, Borky? I I don't hear one myself, but I'll check on it. Okay. Somebody else says I think the SEC Network is showing Vandy, Tennessee at five. I could be wrong. Yeah, you you got 
Vandy, Tennessee at five, and then I think you've got Alabama-Auburn softball at eight. And so that's likely to end around ten. So potentially you get some bonus coverage from Ole Miss and LSU at the end of that game. Sky's got light. Rain has stopped falling at uh, at Swayze. No activity in terms of getting the field ready. There may be one more band of rain coming through uh, before they'll be able to pull the tarp and get it ready to go tonight. Brad Henderson is going to join us on the other side of this timeout. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi. Join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will be right back. Communication system is a go. Go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Henderson joins us to talk some Ole Miss baseball as we get set for game one between Ole Miss and LSU. A little bit later start, maybe past Brad Henderson's bedtime, going 8.30 first pitch tonight at uh, Swayze for game one between Ole Miss and number one LSU. First things first, though, are you uh, are you Saturday night or Sunday night or both or neither for Morgan Wallen this weekend, Brad Henderson? Uh, me personally, I, I'm a no. W- wife and kid will be attending uh, Sunday night. So it's, uh, from what I understand, I'm still at the office. Hadn't gotten out today, but I uh, heard traffic has already ramped up and uh, should be a exciting, fun weekend in Oxford. Yeah, it felt like a football weekend on the square about 2 o'clock. I'm, I am at the stadium already. I just got a message from a friend uh, a few minutes ago that says, it is an absolute zoo everywhere you go. So uh, give yourself a little extra time if you, uh, you need to. I'm not you specifically, but uh, you collectively, uh, if you're trying to get somewhere in Oxford or uh, get to the stadium tonight. So uh, this LSU team that Ole Miss is facing this weekend, they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they're really good, uh, Richard. And obviously... Tonight's going to be a huge challenge with Skeens on the mound, but uh, you know we get them at home. Should be a should be a good crowd, weather permitting. Obviously, it got pushed back to eight thirty, and so uh, maybe give some extra people some time to get into town and, and get to the ballpark. But yeah, they're really good. They can really swing it. Uh, obviously, they can really pitch it. They're number one in the country for a reason, right? And uh, you know it'll be a real challenge. But uh, again, we, we get them at home and. And, uh, you know, just trying to turn the corner, you know, trying to, trying to, trying to right the ship a little bit. But, uh, you know, the guys will be ready. They'll be focused and, but they'll, they'll have to play well to, uh, to beat LSU. So, Brad, Paul Skeen's 104 strikeouts on the season. He is on pace to, in terms of strikeouts per nine innings, set an all time record in college baseball. He's currently averaging 17.6 strikeouts per nine innings. It's, it's insane. And he's doing it while he's throwing 100 miles an hour, and he's got a good breaking ball as well. Take me back to when you were playing. Who was the most dominant guy that, that you faced? And I guess the, maybe the bigger reason that I'm asking for, not so much who the name was, but in terms of an approach you take to the plate as a hitter when you are facing a guy who is almost unhittable. 
Yeah, uh, you know, you're probably not going to recognize some of the names, but but they were more really, really good slider guys. I, I felt like velocity guys I had a chance uh, against just because I could gear up against them. Um, Jason Jenks was a good one uh, that I faced. He was at, out of Baylor and obviously played in the big leagues. And, you know, Timmy Hudson out of Auburn was, was certainly mm-hmm. a good one. But, you know, if they had a good breaking ball, guys like Scott Pomar – uh, out of South Carolina, just gave me fits because he would just slider me to death. He'd throw me 58 footers, and I would just swing as hard as I could and go back to the dugout. But uh, obviously, Skeens, you, you know, really the most impressive thing of, of Skeens, obviously you read his numbers, but he's only walked nine batters in, in 53 yeah. innings to go along with those 104 punch outs. So, you know, obviously he's in the zone. He's not just a – a power guy trying to blow it by you. Obviously, he he locates well, and uh, he, he'll be a challenge. Uh, obviously, for Ole Miss, and first and foremost, they, they've got to be able uh, to hit the fastball. You know, if you go up there just trying to read pitches early in the early in the count, uh, you, you know you're going to be late on the fastball. And obviously, if you're trying to hit a, a 88 mile an hour slider or 90 mile an hour changeup, and, and he's he's throwing 101, it, it's going to be a real issue. So. You know, the problem for Ole Miss is they haven't gotten the timely hits that, that, that they've needed. We left 27 runners on last weekend in Starkville. So, uh, against a guy like Skeens, if you get those opportunities, you certainly uh, got to take advantage of it. All right, so, so help us understand. I mean, hitters in the SEC have become accustomed to 95-96, like dominant fastballs. We saw that last week. With Kate Smith on the mound for, for Mississippi State, he's throwing 96. Ole Misses have pitch have had pitchers that are in that 95, 96, 97. Saw it, but with Brandon Johnson, so so that's common. 101, 102 is not common. What is the difference for a hitter facing 96, 97 versus 102? Yeah, it's it's just another level, right? I mean. You know, you, that's like saying, what's the difference in, in 88, 94? Well, there's not a whole lot of difference, just simply because you see it on a regular basis. But you start getting 98 and above, you're just not accustomed to that. You, you've got to get the barrel going. And, you know, we talk in baseball, you know, you, you've got milliseconds to make that decision, and that even gets – um, you know, dialed in even more when somebody's a hundred miles an hour. So I, I think it's just the the commonality of it. They they just, they just don't see it very often. And, and to be honest with you, you got to cheat a little bit, right? I mean, no nobody can just sit back and, and see a hundred and, and just react to it once the ball's already in the air. You got to get the swing going. And like I said, I think you got to get to him early in the at bat because you get two strikes. He's got three devastating pitches that can put you away, hence the almost two punch outs per inning. Uh, so you got to get to him early and you've got to push it down in the zone. You know, anything belt higher above is just going to be hard to catch up with. It's got to be from the knees to the belt really to have a chance. So, you know, it, it's a, it, you hope, you hope he doesn't have his best stuff tonight. And, uh, you know, you kind of hope he labors a little bit and you can get the pitch count up and, and hopefully get to a bullpen that's you know shown some signs of of giving up some runs. Yeah, and and injuries certainly have been a factor on uh, on LSU's pitching staff throughout the course of the season. So we'll see how that manifests itself this weekend. Uh, Hunter Elliott going to throw game two tomorrow 
Uh, we know he's going to be on a pitch count. I don't know if we know a specific number of pitches that uh, Ole Miss is going to limit him to in the game. So, so what does that mean on two fronts? One, what does it mean in terms of Hunter Elliott's back on the mound? And then two, is there is there an emotional piece to this for an entire team knowing that their guy is back, even in a limited 100%. basis? 100%. The, the morale will be at an all-time high just because you run your, you know, you, you run your dog out there, right? I mean, he's preseason All-American, Team USA guy. Uh, he was going to be your Friday night guy and, and before the injury. So, you know, that from a mental standpoint is going to be huge. And, and we can go back and reference Cade Smith. You know, he came back two weeks ago uh, for Mississippi State against Alabama. Um uh, and and then last week against us. But it also stretches your bullpen, right? Now, you, you probably have the luxury, uh, I, w- I would think, that, uh, you know, if you get a chance to, to use Darty in the closer role, you certainly burn it. You know, obviously, uh, wins are at a premium right now. And so that gives you the, the luxury of having him back in that bullpen. And if we haven't used him by game three, obviously there's the option uh, for him or, or JT Quinn to go on Sunday. So, you know, it just stretches the bullpen. Now, you know, you're not bringing in some guys, uh, obviously some freshmen who've never been in that situation of trying to get three outs in the night to, to win a game or hold a game. And, uh, you know, so I think that's huge, uh, especially down this stretch run. And, and obviously the, the longer this thing goes on and he stays healthy, that pitch count over the next few weeks is, is going to continue to, to grow. So, you know, he can get deeper right. in the games, obviously knock on wood if he stays healthy. But no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger deal than I think people realize, uh, going into the last five weekends to, to, to see Hunter run back out there. Brad, last thing for you. We, we talked about this on Wednesday after Ole Miss's win against Arkansas State on Tuesday night. I, I kind of created a scenario, and I, I don't know that Mike Bianco handled it this way, but I wonder about the usage of Mason Nichols on, on Tuesday night. There's no question he has had some, some tough luck outings, has not been his best, but that was kind of a high-leverage situation, tie ball game, one-run game, and he gave Ole Miss three innings with four strikeouts. It was almost like Mike Bianco said to Mason Nichols, we can't win without you. Go out and get some confidence. Was there anything to that on Tuesday that you saw? Well, I think it was kind of the game within the game. And for Mason, it you know it started early. He he gave up some saves that you know lost the game, and and then it creeps in your head. You know the stuff's not any different, but once it becomes mental, uh, then it becomes a challenge, and you start just kind of knit. You know, you start picking. And then you, and then you find yourself behind in counts and, and then the other team does damage. So I think that was a huge boost for Mason, uh, who, who needed it. And I think that's yeah. exactly why Mike went to him in that situation to, to get him some confidence. And you're exactly right, Richard. If the, you know, if we're going to make a run, whatever type run that is, uh, with I think some, some very winnable series from here on out, Mason's going to have to be a huge piece of that. I mean, I think the math is pretty simple. I think it's Ole Miss has got to go 10-5 and five in the second half of the season to get to 13 wins to have a chance to get into the postseason. Do you see a scenario where they can, can win 10 of the next 15 games in league play? Yeah, you know, and it's crazy that, that we do. But, but I've certainly not given up on them. This, this is a talented baseball team. And, you know, we, again, we just haven't put it all together. But if you look at it, we're not getting blown out. You know, that there was we, – we, we certainly left Sartwell saying, man – we should have won the series, 
we could have swept. Now, they're probably going to say the same thing, you know, because right. all three games were so tight. Uh, you go back to the weekend before, you know, Arkansas, same thing, you know. So, yeah. I know it's could have, would have, should have, but, uh, yeah, there's some winnable series. I, yes, I, I think you have to get – obviously, you got to get to 13. Any, anything else would help. Um, but you look up and, and you get Hunter back, and it's just it's – just... What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to – Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. up the four o'clock hour with you on sports talk mississippi on this friday thanks for being with us alongside michael borky i'm richard cross brian haydad he's still gallivanting on the uh, the mississippi gulf coast when, when does he come home does he, is I he don't know. travels home on saturday or on sunday or i don't bother i don't know I, I don't bother people on their days off i just let them do their thing he was He's always kind of sketchy on details. He's a big detail guy. You knew what he was, he knew what he was going to be doing, like down to the second. But he wasn't too terribly keen on sharing all of that with us. I'm cool with that. Should we call him up? No, no. Back to your. You don't like messing with people when they're away. No, that, no. Not that you would ever want to, but don't call me if I'm gone. Yeah. Okay. If I call, there's a reason. Please answer. Well, if it's happening between 3 and 6 o'clock and I'm off, I know what the reason is. And also what number it is. Like, yeah, if it's your personal cell, it's different than, than, than this thing right here, you know? Yeah. You don't want to see the hotline number yeah, pop no. up on your phones just so we can check it and be like, hey, what yeah. you doing, man? If it was you, I'd answer. But if it's that, no way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for being with us this afternoon. Appreciate Brad Henderson joining us. I know we uh, we lost the very tail end of that conversation. He was just kind of wrapping up his thoughts on uh, on this Ole Miss team, their chances in the, uh, the the final five weekends of conference play. You know, Borky, it, it's not what what he said is not different from what we've kind of talked about throughout the course of the week. There's a roadmap that there there is a way for Ole Miss to play itself into the postseason. But the, um, the the opportunities for not getting it done are are few. Yeah, they've got to be. I mean, it's, it's, I didn't say that well. You, you know, I guess what I'm saying is you don't have much margin for error. Yeah, basically none. Uh, basically none. Uh, they, they've played their way into the spot, which is what made last weekend so important. I mean, on the flip side, you look at Mississippi State, and the, the schedule's difficult, although Tennessee looks easier. Uh, than they did a, a few weeks ago, maybe, but um, they won that series, and now it's it's less uh, daunting uh, for them to get there. Yeah, starting a, a with this weekend against Auburn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we think Mississippi State at minimum's got to go eight and seven over their final fifteen games. Ole Miss got to be two games better than that. They've got to be ten and five over their final fifteen games if they're going to find themselves in the postseason, and. For Ole Miss, I mean, we, we've we've done it a million times, right? It's a, it's a schedule that's LSU this weekend, number one team in the country. And, oh, by the way, people talk about Paul Skeens, and then people kind of mention, well, there's some injuries. LSU leads the country at 10.4 runs per game. 
Jeez. It's not like they're just pitching it. They are the best offense in the country. They have the number one hitter in Dylan Cruz in all of college baseball. They have the number one RBI producer in all of college baseball in Tommy White. You have people that have been intentionally walking Dylan Cruz because he's hitting 500 so that they can get to a guy that's got 12 home runs and 62 runs batted in in Tommy White because it feels like that's the better course of action than facing Dylan Cruz. Unreal. You've got Braden Gilbert batting in the seven hole. Shout out to Our Lady of the Lake for that one. Gilbert? No, no, just the 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 entire conversation here. Oh, well, okay. L- LSU is fully invested in the hey, NIL piece for you, you uh, know, for college baseball. Hey, that's the game. Just play it. But uh, they're definitely trying to New York Yankees this thing. Speaking of the Yankees, coming up next. Coming up next, David Delucci. Oh, former former New York former Yankee, New York Yankee yeah. for a, uh, a short amount of time. David Delucci will uh, will join us in the, I've got the, uh, the five o'clock hour. Already up, and he's he's rounding third. Uh, it, it looks like wearing that Yankees uniform, and I think he's at Fenway in this picture. You know, it's the only good thing that I can come up with out of the uh, 2000 World Series loss for the New York Yankees to the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. David DeLucci got a World Series ring out of that because he was with the Diamondbacks at the time, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. There is so much that is happening next weekend with Double Decker. It gets started with bus tours that are happening on Friday. I think those are sold out. Music starts Friday night at 6 o'clock with the Stews, Chapel Heart, and then headliner Ashley McBride. The Double Decker Spring Run, and you can register online at DoubleDeckerSpringRun.com. The 10K or the 5K get started at 7.30. The festival opens at 10. Music on Friday, uh, Saturday starts at 11. Um, and then you've got the uh, the big shows on Saturday night. Blackberry Smoke at 6.30 on the Nicholas Air Stage. And then at 8.30, Marcus King will be closing out Double Decker. That is a week from tomorrow night. All the information on their website, visit OxfordMS.com. Be sure to follow along on all of their social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS. College football fix. We did that to start the 4 o'clock hour. We'll talk more college baseball with David DeLucci coming up next. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Borky, there is activity in and around the ballpark. It's like a baseball game is actually going to happen tonight. Hey, so, how about that's that? That's good news. That is good news. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour with you. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. David DeLucci, the picture of you on the video stream right now is in a New York Yankees uniform. I don't know if that's the one you would have chosen, but that's the one that Michael Borky chose, and I'm glad for it. (laughs) Uh, I'll take it. I mean, it was a good year, 2003. 
we went to the World Series. Unfortunately, we lost in Florida Marlins, but, uh, you know, it's the highlight of my career being a part of the Yankees organization, so it works for me. What's up, my man? Good to catch up with you. It's uh, It certainly has been a while. What a huge weekend of college baseball in the SEC, kind of across the board. And here in Oxford, where you're going to be tomorrow, you and Ben McDonald and Mike Farron will have uh, game two of this series tomorrow afternoon on, on ESPN2. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. This is going to be a big series. I'm looking forward to tonight. As you said, I'm glad they're going to get that game in. It's big for Ole Miss. Uh, it's, it's, it's huge. Every series from here on out is basically do or die for the Rebs. And um, looking forward to this matchup, rivalry matchup. I can tell you I've been on a few talk shows in Baton Rouge. The Tiger fans are ready for this. They remember what happened last year, and, and uh, they're gearing up for, for the Rebs. So hopefully the Rebs can play good baseball and give them a run for it. Talked to Brad Henderson a little while ago, and I want to ask you a question that I ask him as well. Uh, we we see velocity up all over college baseball, right? It's not it's not crazy at all to see pitchers that are throwing ninety five, ninety six, maybe touching ninety seven, and yet one hundred one is still a little bit of a unicorn. But that's what you get with Paul Skeens on the mound. So for a hitter, what is the difference between hitting a ninety six, maybe even a ninety seven mile an hour fastball, and one that's clocking in at triple digits? A lot. I mean, really and truly, if you if you think about it, you're like, ah, oh, you know, it's four miles an hour. It's still fast. It's it's a lot different. And I I was watching something online. I don't know if it was sports science or something like that, but four miles an hour difference uh, is huge. And even a, a a ninety mile an hour fastball can get to you from the pitcher's release point to home plate faster than you can blink. So imagine four more miles to a fastball. I, I faced Mark Wollers in 1997 when he was with the Braves, and he hit 104 miles an hour on me. And I'm telling you, as a it was about the fifth pitcher I faced in the big leagues. And it, it's scary, man. You hear the ball coming. You can hear the seams cutting the wind. And um, at one point, I, I looked back at the umpire, and I said, I didn't see it, but it sounded like it was high. Am I correct? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's blistering through there, man. What, what if he had said, you know, I didn't see it either. I just guessed. And we went with ball on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was 97, 98. They were pretty, the umpires were pretty much guessing and giving it all to the pitchers. That's when Maddox was getting about 11 inches off the plate uh, during that era. <laughs> not, not that you're bitter, right? Yeah, no, no, not that I, I harbor ill feelings back then, but uh, yeah, no, my memory is uh, is sharp on ABs that uh, yeah. I got hosed on. I know you've told me this story. I don't know if you've told it on the air. The uh, the first pitcher that you faced in the big leagues, you got called up with Baltimore, and if I remember correctly, was David Cohn the first guy you faced, the that's first right. starter you faced? David Cohn, yep, that's right. Absolutely. I um, went into David Johnson was the manager's office and uh, just got called up and he said it was the Yankees. Uh, I was I was grossly intimidated, felt like I was overmatched. He calls me in his in his office. He said, all right, kid, welcome to the big leagues. I got you DH and tonight uh, you're facing David Cohn, former Cy Young winner. Uh, he's got a nasty split finger. Just don't swing at the splitting. I was like, all right, Skip, thank you very much. I walk out. I've never seen a split finger in my life. And what do I do? First A-B, I, I, I hit the fastball, mile-high pop-up, 
And from then on, he threw me splitties, and I swung at every single one that he threw, and they were in the dirt. So I pulled the hat trick. Uh, swinging at split fingers, man, it was a big adjustment for me. And and then a few weeks later, uh, that's when I got to see you play in Baltimore and uh, face Roger Clemens at Camden Yards when he was with yeah. Toronto. Yeah, faced Rocket. He was, you know, look, at, at that time, he was throwing 97 miles an hour. I mean, it's it's gasoline, uh, one of the hardest throwers uh, of his era and my era. And, and he had a pitch that he nicknamed the Razor, which was a hybrid splitty that he threw with three fingers. And um, I, I had a pretty good night against him. I, I went one for three, I believe, um, off a of Rocket. So I think the first... Of the first five pitchers I faced in the big leagues, I think four were Cy Young winners, three or four. So um, I, I told my teammates with the Orioles, I was like, if this is what it's going to be like, I have no chance up here. <laughs> so fortunately, it, they got easier after those that group. All right, uh, let, let's talk some SEC baseball. You, you look around the SEC. You were on the call last night for uh, for Georgia and Arkansas. Maybe a little bit of a surprise result in that ball game. Georgia was able to piece together a big inning, uh, but kind of like from a bigger picture standpoint, you, you look across the league and there, there's you know whether you're talking about Georgia, who was four and eleven going into that game last night, Ole Miss, who's three and twelve going into a weekend, you got a handful of teams at five and ten. It doesn't really seem to matter what the opponent record is. Everybody has got guys. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that, as you said, if you look at the records, it doesn't tell the story, and and, and it's so close. I mean, it's, it's a razor-thin line between the top of the pack and the bottom of the pack, and it just depends on what night you catch a team, if, they're, if their starting pitcher is healthy. And, and, look, that's the other thing is, the, all of these SEC teams have great offenses. They are extremely athletic. They have power, just like Georgia. They can score double-digit runs. How are you going to face their pitchers, and what are the pitchers going to be like? And for the most part, the last couple weekends, there's been a lot of pitchers that are missing time. I, I think last weekend there was 13 TBAs listed in the starting position for a pitcher. This weekend it's 12 TBAs. The guy, whoever TBA is, is throwing a lot of pitches in the SEC. So if you face a team that does not have a set one, two, three, the odds are pretty good in your favor that you're going to have success. And that's the problem is Missouri can hit with the best of them. They've just got a bunch of injuries. Alabama, a bunch of injuries to their starting pitch in Auburn, same way. Ole Miss, the same way. So it's anybody's ball game, and it all depends on the health of the pitching staff. And for LSU, Ole Miss's opponent this weekend, some of the injuries, you know, one of those was a preseason injury, a guy that they expected to be part of the rotation or, or maybe even uh, at the back end it has never pitched. But they've had a couple of bullpen injuries that have popped up that have caused things to uh, to kind of go a little sideways for them on the mound. And yet they're still scoring over 10 runs a game. They are, and and that's the reason they're still number one in the nation. Not sure that's going to hold after the midweek loss to UL Lafayette, but uh, their their season rides on their ace that Ole Miss will see tonight, Paul Skeens. He, he is a, a, a special kind of talent that doesn't come around college baseball very much. And then after that, you know, it's Christian Little, who's a transfer from Vanderbilt. He's got great stuff. You just don't know what you're going to get from him. Ty Floyd is going to be their number two starter. Same deal. 
throws a fastball 94, 95 miles an hour, good secondary pitches, but he got lit up against Tennessee. So uh, LSU is filling the gaps. They've got a lot of good arms on the team. They're just not consistent. And I think Ole Miss, if if they can get the schemes tonight and if they can get into that bullpen, the next two games are going to be very winnable for the Rebels. But the key is tonight, do not let schemes go very deep in the, in the ballgame. South Carolina beats Florida 13-3 to last night. Are you believing in and fully buying into this South Carolina Gamecocks club? I'm in. I, I, I've been in on South Carolina. Uh, I think what they did to Florida last night is proof that they're for real, even though we're past the halfway mark, and they're doing it without their, their game three starting pitcher, Noah Hall. Um, hopefully we'll see him soon. He's been out with um, a, a back issue. Uh, Will Sanders is their, their ace. He's a potential first-round draft pick. Very good pitcher. Jack Mahoney, very good pitcher. All we've heard about is the offense and how they're leading the nation in home runs and they can put up a bunch of runs. But they're in the top five in ERA as well. The pitching staff just doesn't get enough credit, and they play good defense. It's a veteran-heavy team that uh, early on showed signs that they were going to be competitive. And here you are. Uh, when they do what they did last night to Florida. Now, look, Florida's missing uh, Brandon Neely, who's serving a four-game suspension. But other than that, um, they still worked them over really good. And I think the next two games are going to be theirs in their favor as well. That suspension felt like a bit much. It, it is. Um, it, it, it's a shame, right? Like, we're, we're, we're in the era where rules allow umpires to interpret what the opposing players are doing and, and if it's um, if it's yeah. directed toward an individual. And, and it's just yeah. not fair, man. The, the game should be policed by the players. That's what buzzing towers and hitting guys is all for. It's not for the umpire to make that call and to yell, come on, come on, and look at, at the other dugout. I don't think that warrants a four-game suspension. Nope, it does not. Should be a great weekend of baseball. Glad to have you in Oxford. Look forward to seeing you this weekend, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Hotty toddy. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. to David DeLucci for joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. You've heard me say that for a long time. Go with the home team. What does that mean? Check out that website, favorites.com. You can get a quote on auto, home, and life insurance. Just enter your zip code. You'll find an agent near you. Brad Smith is my Farm Bureau agent in Oxford, and he's great to deal with. And, uh, you know, Generally speaking, your insurance stuff is pretty straightforward, right? You know, you need coverage on your house, you need coverage on your home, you need to make sure that you're protecting your family with with the life insurance options that are, are right for you. But sometimes you get into situations that are a little more complex, and, and we've recently had to deal with uh, one of those. And Brad was patient through the process, and he answered the questions that I had, and we were uh, able to kind of get everything done that needed to happen, and they'll work with you. Uh, you're dealing with people that you know. Um, that perhaps you um, have uh, a relationship with them. You see them at the ball field. You see them at the grocery store. You uh, you bump into them at church. All 82 counties in Mississippi have local Farm Bureau agents, so go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Richard Cross, Michael Borky with you. Brian Haydad is out 
on this Friday afternoon. But it is time, even with Brian Haydad out, for a Food Friday brought to you by Polk's Meat. You can find them online at polksmeat.com. But that's not where you're going to eat, right? You're not going to eat by going to their website. You're just going to find out some recipes. You're going to see all the things they've got offer uh, got to offer. You're looking for some merchandise. I guess you can get that there as well at polksmeat.com. But when you go to the grocery store, you're looking for the Polk's packaging. It's that bright yellow label with the royal blue, kind of dark, almost navy blue Polk's trimmed in red on there. Whether it's the Cajun smoked sausage, the garlic and green onion, the the ham steaks, the hot dogs, whatever it is that you're looking for, they've got you covered. You're going to love the products from Polk's. If you can't find them at your grocery store, find the manager of the meat department. Tell them that you are looking for Polk's and you would like it very much. If they would carry Polk's products, no buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. And so we talk now about the things that we are going to eat this weekend. We're going to cook this weekend. Dwayne and Brandon says he's doing something new this weekend. He says grilled shrimp skewers, and then we're going to make soft tacos with them and a little coleslaw and some special sauce. I like it, Dwayne. It sounds good. Borky, what is uh, what is your cooking plan for the weekend? Uh, nothing when it comes to like intricate cooking. I, I, I'm going to be a bit of a slob, so I've got a gigantic bag of uh, frozen buffalo chicken fingers that I'm going to pop in the oven tonight and just eat the entire thing while watching baseball. <laughs> okay. And then tomorrow, a little guy and I are Is going... Is that like an air fryer or uh, just oven? Just pop in the oven. I don't have an air fryer. Uh, and there's something I need to get, though. I just I don't have one yet. It's a, it, uh, we I, have I one. Too. We just don't use it hardly ever. I know there are people that absolutely swear by an air fryer. It's like it's easy for everything. I just don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do that tonight, and then little guy and I are going to uh, the the Mississippi Braves game tomorrow. So we're just going to eat a bunch of popcorn and ice cream and a bunch of bad stuff. Hot that... dogs and nachos. Yeah, man. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, last game we went to, they offered the nacho helmet, and, and mm-hmm. I said no because I didn't want to pay a little bit more. Wouldn't have had to. So tomorrow night, if if we get some nachos. I won't make that mistake again, and the little guy's going to be getting a helmet from the nachos. Beautiful. Like, big enough to put on his head, or is it yeah, like the, like the ice cream it, side? No, it's the, it's the big nacho helmet. I, I rejected it because I was like, ah, I don't, we don't need that right now. We've already gotten so much. I assumed it was the same, and then she goes, oh, okay, no problem, then pulls out like this gigantic basket the same size as the helmet mm. that they put the nachos in, and the price didn't change. I was so mad at myself. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a mistake. It's an error. Right. So, yeah, not cooking anything other than that tonight. There you go. Uh, well, enjoy the uh, enjoy the wings this weekend. If I make it to the grill, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a Sunday evening. Something goes on the grill kind of last minute. So baseball tonight, it's obviously going to go quite late. Not not going to be able to fire up the grill tonight. And then tomorrow, I mentioned I'm, I'm in Madison for part of the day at least for uh, for lacrosse, for Obi. And I don't know that we'll make it back in time. And there is a, a concert, I think, that I've heard about on, on Sunday night after a baseball game. So it's going to be kind of tough. I want to tell you, though, about something that Jane did this week. This is, um, she ordered Borky a pork tenderloin. And it was like through the Instacart deal. 
and you don't always get what you uh, you you intend to get when somebody else does the shopping and they like drop it off on the the front door. And so they got pork chops instead of a pork tenderloin. And Jane was like, "Well, I'll do something with these." So she did, and and this is not like, um, this is not like some new recipe or anything. But she did pork chops over rice with like cream of mushroom soup Ooh, on it. Yeah, yeah. And I think this was, I think it was Wednesday night. So kids went to bed. And I, I, I sat down and I fixed a plate, and it was like, we are in comfort food mode right now. And it was just absolutely fantastic. Big tip of the cap. But, you know, it's just, you know, goes in a casserole dish on a bed of rice, and you get the uh, the cream of mushroom in there and the pork chops, and they're baked in the oven, and it was absolutely fantastic. So, tipping my cap to uh, her for the uh, meal earlier. All right, here we we got some stuff on the uh, C Spire text line, what you've got going. First of all, an encouraging message from Brian in Clarksdale, who says, Sun has come out in Clarksdale. Rebel game looking better tonight. Absolutely. Here we go. Grilled barbecue chicken with rice, pilaf, sausage, and pork broccoli casserole. Sounds good. Sounds really good. Yeah, Mike does. in Oxford said he's going with the Nutria gumbo and corn dogs. Okay, Mike. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's what Mike's having tonight. I, I feel like Mike is in your general vicinity already. I know the he's game's in three hours, but yeah, he's out but, there. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne says that I should give my air fryer to you, Borky. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Never turned down free. I'll Ever. have to check with my wife first, but we'll see. Uh, blackened redfish with coconut rice and grilled asparagus. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah, it does. Keith and JS says, I need somewhere in Oxford to try out next week. Be in town watching my daughter play in the high school tennis championships. I had Bure last year. Oh, so many options, Keith. So I'm assuming you're looking for a lunch spot. Ajax is uh, a great spot on the square if you want a uh, plate lunch. I'm a big, proud Larry's fan at lunch. You, you can kind of do whatever you want. You can go burger. You can go po' boy. You can go pizza. They've got a chicken tortilla salad that's great. There's a pasta special at lunchtime that's there. Uh, Tallahatchie Gourmet is kind of my go-to at lunch. They do kind of a blue plate special, but they've also you do burgers and sandwiches off the uh, menus. My, my favorite thing is just to sit at the bar in there at lunchtime. Um, Andy, Andy, if you just want to go grab a burger and fries or tots or barbecue or whatever, yeah, a lot of good spots if, if lunch is what you're looking for. Uh, if you need others besides that, please don't uh, don't hesitate to ask. We did get a question, so uh, I, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. I already answered him on the text line, but he said, I'm getting my first ever smoker delivered next week. What's the first thing I should try? I said, just do it. Just do a pork butt because uh, it's hard to screw those up, and you can kind of get a feel for your smoker because I've used, uh, I don't know, a dozen probably. I haven't owned a dozen, but I've used a do- uh, about a dozen in my life uh, for mm-hmm. various things, and they're all just slightly different. So... I say get a feel for what your like how it works and all that first before you like splurge on a brisket or, or something like that. Start with something cheap and easy that's hard to screw up. You know, I would. Um, I don't think that's a bad recommendation at all. When I get a new grill or a new smoker or something like that, 
I like to cook something that is going to smoke like crazy the first time or two I cook on it. So it starts to kind of get seasoned. And so I would almost just do like chicken on the grill or some good thick burgers on the grill. Get that good hot fire going. And I mean, just let the smoke just billow in there. And, yeah. and start to season it. That's what I would do for the kind of the first go around, and then branch out into whatever uh, whatever your thing is after that. Uh, a couple of others, Bork. Uh, let's see here. Going to make some deer meat fajitas and black beans Saturday night at a friend's house. That is from Price. That's cool. Brandon says he's doing smoked brisket and homemade potato salad, as well as a homemade pound cake. It is on the plate staring at me right now. Enjoy, Brandon. That sounds great. I didn't click on it. I saw somebody, though, uh, teased a 24-hour smoked brisket. And I, I had the thought, is that too long? Like, like, can, mm-hmm. can you low and slow too slow? Is that is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. 24 hours just seems like a long a time. Brisket, you know? It seems like yeah. a long time for a meat, although in a smoker, to be outside, you know? Jeb is asking me to get him a ticket for Morgan Wallen on Saturday or Sunday. Get your second mortgage, buddy. I mean, <laughs> Jeb, I can't just like produce one out of thin air. There are tickets that are still for sale. Uh, they, they are available. Um, so there you go. Uh, somebody says, billowing smoke is bad smoke, Richard. It will make your meat better. If you don't believe me, ask Malcolm. I'm just talking about seasoning a brand new grill. I'm not talking about the way you cook your food necessarily. That's a Food Friday presented by Polks. Remember, no buts about it, folks. Picky people. Pick Polks. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. wrapped up the Food Friday segment presented by Polks, but I don't want to cut anybody short because we got some great submissions on uh, weekend cooking plans. I got a text from a friend. I do have a Southern Miss fan friend, by the way. I got a text from the text from him that said, I hope we're smoking some mythological chickens this weekend. Mm-hmm. Some Chanticleers, yeah, if you might. Because that, that's not a real animal. It's from the Canterbury Tales. And that is what they named their mascot. It, it, like, honestly, it's a really cool mascot and a cool thing. But what's your mascot? Oh, it's a fake creature that Chaucer wrote about. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, as opposed to like just another tiger, or right? Bulldog or bear. So or I admire the uniqueness, whatever. but also, you know. It's a little nerdy for a school that is a safety school for every college applicant in the state of South Carolina. You like the color scheme, the, uh, the teal it. for their colors? I hate the football field, though. Yeah. Uh, fried Grenada Lake catfish, beer hush puppies, and dill pickle slaw. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, Wookie from Scobie said they were doing grilled rabbit and deer tenderloin with carrots, onions, mushrooms, bell peppers, and fresh mushroom soup. Mm. Somebody said for a new smoker they'd just do a charcoal fire to season it, burn off any oil. I just I like the fat from like chicken legs or chicken quarters or a burger to get going in there and kind of get some flavor. 
That's just me, though. Right? Do it. Do it however you think. Um, let's see here. Steaks. Is that uh, boudin, jalapeno, cheese, and pineapple, and hanging with an army brother? That's from KG uh, KJ in Red Hill. Love it. Somebody says, Richard's right. Tell the guy with the new smoker, chicken leg quarters as fatty as he can find them so that they will smoke that thing up like crazy to get it seasoned good for the very first time. Bubba in Starkville says, 24-hour brisket is called pot roast. No thanks. Okay. Yeah, I was curious about that. I mean, I guess it, unless you keep that temp at 200, which I didn't open the video, I assume that's what it is, but I don't know, man. You want some of that moisture to stick around. Okay. At least I think you do. Somebody also told us they've got an electric smoker, and when they do a butt, that they smoke it for 26 hours at 225. And I'm not going to question. Look, I mean, people try things, and they figure out how it works for them, and a lot of the stuff that people come up with is just fantastic. On the surface, that just feels like a really long time to smoke a butt. I mean, I feel like at 225, you can go like 8 to 10 hours and kind of get the desired result, you know, for that internal temperature. And and I said to the, the, the person that says that, I was like, that seems like a lot. He said, it may be. He said, but it's great with a nice bark. I mean, as as long as you've got the internal temperature that you want, you're not drying out the meat, you're not losing the moisture, and you get that bark that you want, more power to you. I've never used an electric smoker. I've heard they're really, really uh, convenient. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. My father-in-law's got one of those. The uh, it, it kind of looks like a like a locker almost. Um, it's like an upright electric smoker smoke shack. I think it's what they're called. Um, they're good. It's not my favorite way to cook, but there are a lot of people that. I mean, it's good stuff. So, um, hmm. Anything else? Bob says he's got Polk's Cajun sausage. He cut it into half-inch cubes, and then he put hamburger meat around it like a ball, rolled it and crushed Dorito nacho chips and one piece of bacon wrapped around it and grilled it, and it was marvelous. Buddy, uh, 420 was yesterday. Yeah? It, 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 you, was, it was yesterday. You're saying that's munchy food? How do you think Gallo celebrated 420? I should have, I, man. I should have texted his show and said "Happy 420, Gallo," and see if he would have gotten what I was talking about. Hmm. Mike says that uh, when he was in the barbecue business, he smoked butts about 16 hours at 200, and would smoke ribs for six to eight hours. Allen in Alabama, or he says uh, this is Allen, the Alabama fan. My ex-brother-in-law has the electric smoker, and it does great. The food tastes great when it comes out of it. I'm sure it does. Sure it does. What, whatever it is that you're doing this weekend, enjoy. And uh, make sure that you include some uh, some Polk's sausage, whatever kind you like best. It will make whatever you are eating taste a little bit better. It's great for an appetizer. It's great to include with your dish. Whatever it is you like. Remember, no buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. Buddy, uh, Georgia what? has jumped out to a big lead against Arkansas in game two. Four to Whoa. nothing in the top of the third. Okay. Okay. Four runs, and that was the case yesterday for Georgia. Also, right? They had the, they they had a five run inning that included a three run bomb. And, and speaking of leads, Southern Miss has a two to nothing lead over the aforementioned Chanticleers in the bottom of the second. How about that? 
I don't know. Let's see how Georgia scored their runs in the second. Home run, home run, walk, home run. All right. <laughs> Bottom of the hey. second. Solo shot, solo shot, full count walks, two-run home run. And uh, Georgia leads it 4 nothing over the Razorbacks. And uh, that is Will McIntyre on the mound for uh, Arkansas. Charlie Goldstein getting the start today for uh, Georgia in that second game of the series. Georgia trying to win the series. They got to 5-11 and 11 in the league with the win last night. Handed Arkansas just its fifth SEC loss. Uh, Vanderbilt with the lead over Tennessee. Vol struck first. They got a run in the bottom of the second inning. Vanderbilt countered with a couple of runs in the top of the third inning. And uh, the doors with Carter Holton on the mound are in front of Tennessee. See, Tennessee scored its run in the second. It was a solo home run. And then uh, Vanderbilt got a two-run single out of R.J. Shrek, who just keeps hitting. Just keeps hitting. Some of the offensive numbers are just gaudy. All over the SEC. Just absolutely incredible. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, Visit their website. Check out the uh, spring collection. If you're looking for shorts, they've got great shorts. Comfortable. They fit just right. Lightweight. A little bit of stretch in them. they got the pants that I told you about yesterday from the uh, the Clubhouse collection. Their new golf shirts look great. Still looking for pullovers for some uh, cool evenings. You can get those as well. And don't forget that you can uh, find them at men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi, including Landry's on the Square in Oxford and Kincaid's in the Jackson metro area as well. Kincaid's fine men's clothing. Um. 49ers. I'm sorry, just a complete non sequitur jump cut for you here. Just a couple of minutes on this. 49ers, Brock Purdy became their guy last year, right? Started the year out with Trey Lance. He has an injury, and he kind of gets Wally pipped, apparently, by Brock Purdy, who just came in and he played well. And he led the 49ers on a playoff run and won the locker room over I and mean, everything. And, and Borky, there comes a point where. Regardless of what a franchise has wrapped up financially in a player, sometimes on-the-field play just wins out. Yeah. And Brock Purdy just kind of won out with his play on the field as a seventh-round pick a year ago, as a rookie. And so now the question is, if you're the 49ers, what do you do with this guy Trey Lance, who you like, maybe even like a lot, and you gave up a lot to get him, but on-the-field play has won out. And per Ian Rappaport, the 49ers have received inquiries from several teams looking into a potential trade for the former number 3 pick, Trey Lance. Conversations have been the result of San Francisco fielding the calls, not making them with teams aware that Brock Purdy is likely to be the future starter. So let me ask you this. If you're the 49ers... And somebody wants Brock, uh, wants Trey Lance. You, you you saw what Brock Purdy can give you. Are you trying to trade him before the draft for draft picks for this year and maybe next year, or are you trying to trade him for established players in the league or a combination? Uh, I assume a combination, but uh, teams are reluctant to do 
trades for players before the draft. Right. Don't see it a lot. You, you see it occasionally, you do. but not a lot. Not a lot. Um, the, the thing that stands out to me more about this is, is how much of an unexact science quarterback drafting is. And, so, yeah. and you, you've got it this year, right? I mean, Anthony Richardson, I know he's different than Trey Lance in terms of the, just the, the physical nature of him, just how big and athletic and, and all that he is. Trey Lance, good athlete, not that, you know? Um, but like with Will Levis, and you've got these teams that are really trying to talk themselves into prospects, and, and I can't help but wonder, why does a story like this not give you pause? Why does Zach Wilson not give you pause? You don't have to stretch for a quarterback. Look look at Detroit. Detroit got a, a damaged goods from L.A., and he's, has, he's going to have them in playoff contention this year. So don't stretch. Build That's where a Jared Goff's damaged goods? He, he was. Remember, he stunk in L.A. They had to move off from him because he was bad. And Don't stretch for quarterbacks. Would, Did I, they I think move off of him because he was bad, or they just thought they could get better with Stafford? Combination. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next on this Friday edition of the show in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi State and Auburn tonight on the Plains. About 10 minutes from first pitch. Here's the lineup for the Bulldogs. David Mershon getting the start at shortstop and batting at leadoff. Followed by Colton Ledbetter in center field and Hunter Hines as the DH. Dakota Jordan in left. Batting cleanup. Luke Hancock at first base hitting fifth. Slate offered at third. He's batting sixth. Kevin Cl- uh, Kellum Clark in right field, the seven-hole hitter. Amani Larry batting eighth and playing second base. Ross Highfield catching and Cade Smith on the mound tonight for Mississippi State in game one of an incredibly important series for both of those teams, both coming in at 5-10 and 10 in Southeastern Conference play. I talked to Butch Thompson some on, on Tuesday, Borky, before their game against Samford, and he's like, you know, we couldn't have played any worse than we did in our first half of conference play. Like, I don't think it's possible for us to have played worse than we did. He's like, so that's the bad news. The, the good news is I don't think it can get any worse, and so we're going to see if we can dig ourselves out of the hole. Yeah. Mississippi State couldn't have played much worse for the first, what, three weekends of conference play? But they've won series in consecutive weekends. They have. They got the series win on the road in Tuscaloosa. Gave themselves a little bit of life going into the Ole Miss series last weekend. They get the series win at home in front of the massive crowd Super Bulldog weekend in Starkville. All of a sudden there's a little bit of momentum, a little bit of excitement, some confidence in that lineup, a little healthier on the mound. Such a big, big weekend for yeah, Mississippi State. So big. Yeah, it's a huge weekend all around. I, I'm excited for Monday's show, honestly, and it, it's Friday. I'm wishing away my weekend. but Don't uh, do that. L- enjoy l- it along the way. I, I will do that. Uh, something that we won't enjoy, by the way, I, I have to drop this in there because we won't talk about it on Monday, and by Tuesday it's old news. Mm-hmm. Um, market correction coming in NIL, well, at least from one program. So, Miami has been extremely well-funded in NIL. They've been buying players all over the place, and it's really just been 
one guy and the Life Wallet company. Mm-hmm. After 30 consecutive days of trading under $1, Life Wallet is now going to get a delisting warning from the NASDAQ, and they currently owe borrowers $840 million. Mm. So, uh, rest in peace, Miami Athletics Relevance, 2021 to 2023. You think that's why the Cavender twins decided to go to WWE instead of, come, uh, instead of coming back to Miami? I mean, th- th- apparently there's, th- th- there's been some issues there keeping some players on roster, and some of them have left. They were apparently able to, to keep Tyler Van Dyke, their quarterback, but there's been an exodus, and there's been a recent trend in Wait, why aren't we signing good players anymore? And now you know. What was that guy's name? Ruiz, right? Isn't that his last name? Yeah, that's right. Vandy leading 2-1 to one over Tennessee, bottom of the fourth inning. Georgia now up 5 nothing over Arkansas in the top of the fourth. Georgia trying to, uh, trying to take the first two from the SEC Western Division leading Razorbacks. And, uh, by the way, I would think that LSU would be pulling for Georgia. As uh, LSU has, at least some of their guys have uh, arrived at the stadium, kind of milling about down in the third base dugout. So Ole Miss LSU scheduled for an 8.30 first pitch tonight. As long as they are willing to play baseball late, they're going to be able to play this game tonight. Not 100% sure that 8.30 is going to be where the first pitch is, just kind of looking at the radar, but it is going to stop raining somewhere between 8 and 8.30, maybe 9 o'clock if the radar and the, the hourly forecast are all accurate. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to rain all the way to 9 o'clock. I'm just not 100% sure that they're going to be able to pull the tarp and get the field ready for an 8.30 first pitch. But as long as they are willing to play baseball tonight, they will be able to get this game in, game one between Ole Miss and LSU uh, at Swayze, under the lights. You can watch it on the SEC Network Plus. It's streaming there. And... Um, You've also got uh, Ole Miss on ESPN2 tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock, with um, David DeLucci, who was on with us earlier today. Thanks to David. Thanks to Brad Henderson and Nicole Kublik. Good conversations with all of them. Uh, if you missed any of those, you can uh, can go back and get them on demand at supertalk.fm, or you can listen to the podcast, the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast, which is available for you. We would encourage you to subscribe to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. So it's just there for you in your uh, your podcast settings. Like it. Give it a thumbs up. Five-star review. Is that is that what we're asking for? Five-star review? Yeah, and it depends on your app. So subscribe or like, and then uh, leave a rating and a review. Yeah. You can say whatever you want about uh, Haydad as long as it has five stars. He doesn't care. There you go. Uh, Should be a fun weekend. You've also got Texas A&M and Kentucky. They're going to play a doubleheader tomorrow after getting washed out today. Florida-South Carolina game two coming up tonight at 6. Mississippi State-Auburn at 6. Alabama-Missouri at 6. Ole Miss-LSU a little bit later. Borky, enjoy the uh, the Mississippi Braves tomorrow with Little Man. That'll be awesome. Yeah, we got a little fear of mascots, though, that has recently developed. So we got to battle that, but we'll power through. Okay. That's uh that is that is going to be just fine. Thanks for being with us. Hey Dad'll be back with us on Monday. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Be safe. Enjoy it. If you're doing Morgan Wallen, have fun with the concert. Enjoy some baseball. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios.
a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.